And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are actually talking exclusively about the NBA playoffs here and the play-in games. So exciting. This is absolutely one of my most favorite times here in sports when it comes down to the NBA. So we'll be talking first and foremost uh, about the play-in tournament here. Before we actually jump into the content, I just want to let you guys know that we actually generally throw a show up here every Sunday on Spotify. You can check the links down below on the show notes. And if you're watching here on YouTube, make sure that you press the like and subscribe button and follow us here. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into actually the first topic of the day here, which is going to be the NBA play-in situation, which will actually start here tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that up here. And so we take a look at what we have. So on the East you have the Toronto Rafters, you have the Chicago Bulls, you have the Miami Heat, and you have the Atlanta Hawks. On the West here, you have the Lakers against the Timberwolves, and then you have New Orleans versus OKC here. And as we jump into this, let's start off here with the East, and let's start with the 9-10 matchup with Toronto and Chicago. So when you look at Chicago, this is a team that shoots the ball very well from the mid-range. In fact, they actually take the least amount of three-pointers in the league as far as attempts and makes. And DeMar DeRozan, which is a mid-range specialist, actually has 317 mid-range shots, and that's 134 more than any other NBA player out there. And you look at Zach Levine, who is the leading scorer for the Chicago Bulls and has been on a tear since All-Star break and has actually been doing well ever since he's, you know, set out the first part of the year with the offseason knee surgery that he had, minor cleanup of the knee. But he's averaging 27 points, 53% from the field and 39% from the three-point land. Now, to say that this is disappointing for Chicago to be in this situation would be an understatement. And I I say that's fair, but you also have to look at the fact that Chicago has been without Lonzo Ball, who has been out for all of this year. He was out for just about more than half of last season here, and he is going into his third knee surgery. Now, they do have Ayo Desumi playing point guard here. They have brought Patrick Beverly over, I believe, in the buyout market here, who's been serviceable for them. But it really hinges on can the Bulls continue to play their way here against Toronto? Because when you look at Toronto and what they're able to do, the Rafters they're not a terrific three-point shooting team, but what they do do is they actually get out and they run well. And that is one thing that the Rafters have in their favor, along with the fact that they do have um, Van Fleet, who's an excellent three-point shooter, who has also been in the NBA Finals. They have Pascal Siakam as well. And when you look at their offensive efficiency here, they have probably one of the lowest half court offensive efficiencies and it's it it's comparable to the 2013 Indiana Pacers who had about the same low rating offensively from the half court standpoint but they ran 
with the ball very well. Because their defense was so stingy, they were able to get to a conference finals here. Now, I'm not sure with this Toronto Raptors team. A lot of this hinges to me on Pascal Siakam, and it always has hinged on Pascal Siakam. And if he was going to have the ability to step up um, since Kawhi Leonard is no longer with the team. And I think that that's one question that Toronto really has not answered ever since they won the championship in, with Kawhi Leonard against Golden State there. And I think this summer, this is something that they've got to figure out here. Um, they've got to figure out what they want to do with Gary Trent Jr., who I think is going to be huge in this particular game as far as shooting the basketball and OG Anobly as well. There has been the talk that OG Anobly was going to be traded last season. There was talk he was going to be traded this season. And OG Anobly has been a special type of player. When you look at his high steal rate, you look at his top tier on ball defense here in the ratings. He's up there with guys like Alex Caruso, Herb Jones, DeAnthony Melton for the Sixers. This guy's been an elite defender. And so in this particular contest, I like Chicago in this one slightly. You know, I think Chicago is a lot better than what the shown as it here. Do have a height advantage with Nikola Vujicic, who I think is going to be an X factor. And I feel like DeRozan is going to definitely want to stick it to Toronto. Remember, he used to play with Toronto. He was traded and subsequently Toronto ended up winning a championship uh, once they traded him off for Kawhi Leonard. So I think anytime that DeRozan has a chance to knock off his old team, I think that that's extra motivation. I know he's played pretty well. He has had some minor hip issues here this year, but I expect for Levine, DeRozan, and Vujicic to be a, a major factor. And even though they struggle with the ball, I expect this one to not be a track meet and it's going to be a game that goes into the mud, which are just like all of playoff series here. And that's why I like Chicago to advance here to play for the 7-8 seed. Uh, next up here, you're looking at the Miami Heat and Atlanta Hawks. And so <clears throat> when you look at Miami, Miami's in an intriguing situation because they really have struggled and I don't think that this is a team that should be struggling the way that they have struggled. I think that they put a lot of emphasis on Cal Lowry, who was in and out of the lineup for most of the year and really has been in and out of the lineup for the vast majority of his, his stay with the Miami Heat. And this really comes down to Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy Butler is having a career second half of the year. He's playing exceptionally well. Jimmy Butler has been able to double his numbers in points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game, uh, especially in the postseason. The only other person to really do that is Paul George. And you look at the historic coaching that they have from Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra here has 700 career wins. He has 96 career playoff wins here, which is eighth most in NBA history. So if anything... At, or Miami has the advantage due to the fact that Eric Spolstra and the coaching experience, not only do they have that, but they have a great player in Jimmy Butler who has played in these moments, rises for these moments. And I think that 
Miami certainly has the advantage here because of that. I think Bam Ayabayo is going to be a big factor in this one. Expect Tyler Hero to be called upon a lot more. Uh, Matt Struces is going to have to make some shots from the outside. And so I like Miami in this one. You know, I think that they're going to be able to outlast Atlanta, who has been a very hot team. Um, but Atlanta really struggles in the half court set. And outside of Trey Young, I know they have DeAndre Hunter, um, you know, but they really have been in kind of limbo there with John Collins, uh, Clint Capella there. And they also made a midseason coaching change with Quinn Snyder. And it's been the only team that I think has been able to stay within 500 or game within 500, which has been very interesting with Atlanta. But they've been even, but I don't think that they're ready to quite take that leap. I expect for Atlanta to probably lose this game, and then it would be Chicago uh, and Atlanta probably playing for that, that eighth and final seed there. As we move over here to the West, we look at the Los Angeles Lakers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, <clears throat> a couple days ago, I would say that Minnesota had the clear advantage. Even though you look at the Lakers and the Lakers have been arguably probably one of the hottest teams in basketball. I think they've posted the third best record since they've traded for Rudy Hutchamara. They've got Jared Vanderbilt over there. They've got D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Davis has been healthy as well. LeBron has come back for them too. And so <clears throat> when you look at the Lakers, this is a team that to me is poised to make a run now because after what happened Sunday with the Timberwolves and what happened with Rudy Gobert uh, punching his teammate there, Cal Anderson, not only did they suspend Rudy Gobert, uh, they also lost Jaden McDaniels who broke his hand after he punched the wall here. And so I'm thinking that Minnesota is just not in a good space here. They're not in a good space. Um, you know, mentally as a team. And I just think they're going to run into a Lakers team that has the more experience, you know, with Anthony Davis in there. There's really nobody else that's going to really contest with him other than Carl Anthony Towns. And though Carl Anthony Towns has looked good, he did have a three-month layoff with the calf injury there. They don't have any more added depth. I think that that's something that they traded away you know, to get Rudy Gobert over there. And it's tough for Minnesota because, you know, yes, they have the dynamics of Anthony Edwards, but I'm not sure if Anthony Edwards, again, is going to be able to beat the star power of the Lakers who are much deeper than Minnesota. If Minnesota were to pull this one off, I'm going to go ahead and say that this would be, I'm just going to say it's going to be the upset of the playoffs, to be honest with you. I just, there's not any scenario where I see Minnesota beating the Lakers in this play-in game. Next up, you have the new, um, you have the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans, and then you have the OK, OKC Thunder here. And so, <clears throat> start with OKC. I think that OKC is poised to possibly start a new dynasty. I'm saying that right now. When you look at what they have at the guard position, in Shea Gillis Alexander. 
Shea Gillis Alexander might be one of the best up and coming point guards or guards in the league. And never mind just a guard, but player. I think if you're looking at the MVP race, this guy's got to be four fifth on your list the way he's played. I believe he leads the league as far as scores in the paint. And he's only scratching the surface to what he can do. I love what they have with Josh Giddy. I love what the, they have with Lou Dort. And I love the fact that they are going to get Chat Holmgren back next year. With that being said, they are going against a very hot team with the Pelicans who are without Zion Williams. You know, a lot of people anticipated that they were going to have this trio of Zion Williams and they were going to have Brandon Ingram. They were going to have CJ McCollum. They don't have any of that. The one thing that they do have is they've had depth. And you look at the fact that they have um, they have Alvarado playing guard there. Um, you know, they've got uh, Murphy the third coming off the bench that actually he was supposed to go to the G League. He's up to scoring into 18 points per game. Um, you know, this is a team that is very, very talented and because they put themselves in position with the Anthony Davis situation where they got those picks, it is really paid off for them. Herb Jones, another guy that has been valuable here for the Pelicans. This is going to be probably the most exciting playing game, in my opinion. And I think that that game is going to go down to the wire. The question is, is OKC poised to do what they did in 2010? In 2010, if you remember, they gave the Lakers all they could handle. That was right before Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, two years later, ended up in the finals. I think that OKC can do that. I think that they very much can make a little bit of a run and give somebody a scare here. They could be this year's New Orleans Pelicans, right? That's what the Pelicans were last year. And I think that OKC can definitely do that. And so this is a, 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 a toss-up. I, I dare say I want to go with the the experience here, but I, I like the youth. I like OKC to win this thing and and keep their their playoff hopes alive here. So with that being said, that is the plan situation and kind of going over those. Now let's move over here to the NBA playoffs here as far as what the brackets look like thus far. And so if you're looking at it on the screen here, you're looking at um, starting with the East, you have Milwaukee. <clears throat> at the one seed right now obviously they're not playing anybody because they're waiting on the play-in situation to play out and so is Boston at the number two seed the seeds that are set right now are the um the four or five matchup with Cleveland and New York and then you have the three and six matchup with Philadelphia and Brooklyn and so starting with the teams that are actually set here in the East with Cleveland and New York, this is going to be interesting because you look at Donovan Mitchell and you look at what he brings to the Cavs. Here is a guy that he, he really, he could have ended up in New York. And a lot of people thought he was going to end up in New York. He's actually from New York and it didn't work out that way. He actually ended up in Cleveland and when I look at Cleveland, I'm saying to myself, Cleveland is very young, okay? Besides Donovan Mitchell, they don't have a lot of playoff experience. 
So you look at Darius Garland. He's not been there before. I think he was in a play-in last season. Um, you look at Evan Mobley, very young there. He was in a play-in situation last year. You look at Jarris LeVert, Jared Allen. They have a pair of first-round exits with the Nets, so they have a little bit of, of playoff experience. But this is a very, very young team. And you look at the fact that they have Isaiah or Isaac Okora, who's going to have to play a big, big role for them um, against a feisty, tough New York team. Now, as good as New York has been with Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, they actually have one of the poorest half-court offenses. And when you look back at what they did a couple years ago when they played Atlanta and they got eliminated, and that's when we see Trey Young with the whole cold dance or the ice tray dance, right? The one thing that stopped New York in that epic season was when the game slows down, much like it does in the playoffs, you have to be able to score in the half court. And that's one thing that New York kind of lacks. They don't have a high assist ratio. They really are really dependent on one player and Jalen Brunson, who is really excellent at what he does. But you can't sit around and you cannot ball watch. One thing that New York does that Cleveland doesn't necessarily do great is they rebound at a high clip. You look at the rebounding numbers and what they have been able to do uh, with Mitchell Robinson. He has been a tear on the offensive board. And I've always said that rebounding is critical because if you can out-rebound the team, you're taking away opportunities from the other team and you're giving your offense more opportunities. Whoever wins the rebounding battle in this particular series will more than likely advance. I love Tibbs. I love his defensive prowess. I love his experience. Having watched Cleveland, I like... I like Cleveland slightly in this one. I really do. I do, and and that could change. And that really could change. I, I like them slightly on paper, but I think that ultimately New York is going to probably win this series. I think this series is going to go down to, I think it's going to go to seven, and I think New York's going to win this series in seven. And I just like the fact that Tibbs is one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the game. I think he figures out a way to let Donovan Mitchell get his, and he mitigates or takes away a lot of other role players who are inexperienced in this series for Cleveland. So I like New York slightly here. Um, next up, the Philadelphia or Philadelphia 76ers, about to say the Eagles, 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Man, okay, so Philly's coming in here at the three seed and Brooklyn at the six seed. I don't, even though Brooklyn's coming in at the six seed, I think that Brooklyn has a real chance in upsetting Philadelphia. The one thing about Philadelphia that scares me and it always has scared me is James Harden. James Harden is an incredible offensive player. When you look at Joel Embiid and you look at, um, and you look at James Harden, they lead the league in the pick and roll offense. So they're they're just they're they're dynamic. In that set, they're pretty much unstoppable. The problem is what type of defense are you going to get from James Harden 
Okay, that's that's a big question right there. And also, too, what are you going to get from Tyrese Maxey? Both of those players can score, but they're both going to have to defend at an elite level. Yes, they have P.J. Tucker over there for Philadelphia, who is going to shade or take away some of the defensive deficiencies that Philadelphia is going to have in the backcourt. But he's only one person. And I do feel like Joel Embiid is the clear MVP this year. You hope that he stays uh, injury-free. I think that that's what cost him last year when he tore the ligament in his thumb. You know, Joel Embiid, he's always going to show up. I don't have a problem with Joel Embiid. But James Harden is going to have to defend well, and he's going to have to be James Harden. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be the James Harden that he was in um, playing for Houston. I don't don't think he's that same James Harden where he's just going to give you the step backs and take over games and score 30, 40 points. I'm not sure if he's still that James Harden. But he's still effective enough that he's got to show up. There's been some, there were some games last year where you just you needed more from James Harden. And so this is it for James Harden, and this is it for this team. If Philadelphia doesn't advance, I think that this could be it for Doc Rivers. It also could be it for this team because James Harden has a um, he has a a player option that he can pick up and basically be a free agent at the end of the year. And if that happens you know, Philly might break up with Brooklyn. Brooklyn has miles bridges or, or excuse me. They have bridges that they got over from Phoenix. I'm sorry. Who is a star, right? And, and the thing about bridges, he has played with Phoenix. He has been in the finals. They have cam Johnson coming over from Phoenix as well. They have Spencer DeWitty, who they got from Dallas, and quietly, he's averaged more assists now than he did with the Dallas Mavericks. Bridges can score with the best of them. They also have a trump card in Cam Thompson. I never will forget Jay Billis talking about Cam Thompson coming out of LSU. Said that the kid can absolutely score the ball. He can. He can score at a high clip. He would be what you would call the modern day microwave. The way he can score and really put points up like that, it can scare any team that they're playing. And so Brooklyn is just going to have to hang in there enough if they're going to win this series. They're going to have to hang in there enough. I'm not sure that they have any big that can contest with a Joel Embiid. So that's going to be a wash. But the backcourt and the frontcourt, as far as the forwards, I think that they're better than Philly. I think that you look at Bridges, you look at Thomas, they're better than Tobias Harris, and they're better than James Harden. If Brooklyn is able to win that battle, they might win that series. Because if it comes down to just Joel and Embiid having to carry Philly, Brooklyn certainly would win that series. Now let's shift focus to the other side of the bracket here on the West. You look at the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers, their set seed. You look at the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. You have Denver first. They're waiting for the play-in and you have Memphis waiting for their play-in situation. All right. So starting with Phoenix, I'm not a big fan of Phoenix I know that they do have Kevin Durant over there, and I get it. 
you know, with Kevin Durant, he obviously is a guy that he he's just a cheat code. I, I totally get it. You know, sitting at number four in the West, a lot of people think that Phoenix can actually take this thing. I think this is going to be tough for Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns because they have lost so much depth to get him over there, okay? And if anybody goes down with Phoenix, it's going to be a tough series. You look at Chris Paul, who has struggled. I think he's averaging 13 points a game. It's actually one of his lowest percentages here. This is only 12 games that Kevin Durant has actually played with the squad. And this is one of those things where you're going to have to have him play well. They don't have Mikael Bridges anymore, which is a a defensive um, two-way player here. They did have Terrence Ross come over here, who's been able to put up some points for him. I don't like the fact that they don't play Cameron Payne as much as they they used to. Um, And I think that they should, especially with the um, amount of shooting that's going to be available. Because there's a lot of times where I think that they turn Chris Paul into more of a catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. And yes, he can knock it down. But I think Cameron Payne is probably the better option when it comes down to that. So I'd like to see them use him a lot more. Um, But if Aiton gets in foul trouble, if Kevin Durant gets hurt, if Devin Booker gets hurt, and they've all been injury prone or Aiton has gotten into foul trouble, this could be a tough series because the Clippers probably have one of the deepest rosters in all of the NBA. And... Kawhi Leonard is averaging a 52-46 split as far as shooting percentage. He's averaging 27 points a game. And he's actually quietly starting to look a lot like what he did when they were in the NBA Finals. The problem with the Clippers is that Paul George is out with the knee, the sprained knee. And much like all the playoff runs that the Clippers have had, They really haven't been a complete team other than the time that they were in the bubble. And then there was the time that they'd had both of them and then Kawhi tore his ACL. Um, And so they're going to start the playoffs probably without Paul George. And they're heavily reliant on Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is going to have to defend and he's going to have to knock down some shots. I love Russell Westbrook because he plays so hard. A guy you don't have to worry about. He's fit in perfectly with the Clippers. I thought that he should have went to the Clippers first. He thought that it was going to be a better fit to go with the Lakers. But I clearly think from the spacing standpoint, the fact that he's played with Paul George before, I think that this works out perfectly. He's going to be able to give them a bit more tempo. Um, The Clippers are going to have to rely a lot on Eric Gordon since Paul George is not there. He's going to have to be a bit of a two-way player. Uh, Him and Chris Paul have had some history. They played together in Houston. And, you know, the bigs. Right now, Serge Ibaka, or not Serge Ibaka, excuse me. I'm thinking of, uh, I don't know why. Serge Ibaka used to play for the Clippers. Um, Zubox, who plays for the Clippers. He's going to have to play big. He's going to have to play big. And he's not, he can't get into foul trouble along with um, one of the Moors twins here. These guys are going to have to be big. I think that that's going to be the key for the Clippers winning this series. 
they're not only going to have to rely a lot on Kawhi and Russ, but they're going to have to beat Phoenix up on the interior. That is the way that they're going to win this game. And that's the way that they're going to win this series. They're going to have to physically impose their will on the Phoenix Suns in order to win this thing. If it turns into a track meet, expect Phoenix to win this series. Next up, you have the Golden State Warriors and you have the Sacramento Kings. Wouldn't it, isn't it fitting that Mike Brown used to coach for the Golden State Warriors, has won a ring with the Golden State Warriors. Now he's with the Kings. He has taken them to the playoffs, ending the longest playoff drought in any NBA or any um, any franchise, really, uh, out of all MLB, NHL, all that stuff like that. Ends that drought, and they're back in the playoffs here. Golden State avoids the play-in situation, and they have one of the worst road um, road uh, records in all the NBA. I believe they're 11 and 30, but they have the best home court advantage of all the NBA. And when you look at the trio of Clay Thompson, um, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, these guys have won about 93 to 96 playoff games, and they're one of the best trios in NBA playoff history. So Golden State has the experience. I really like Golden State a lot. And I like them a lot for the entire bracket and to make it to the the finals again. I'm saying that right now. And here's why. Golden State plays, I just said, they have one of the best home records. All right. Charles Barkley would always say that it the um, the series doesn't start until you win on the other person's floor. All right. So, you know, it's going to be tough to win in Golden State. Now, <clears throat> Golden State just has to win one in your gym to get back to their arena. I think Golden State has the experience to at least get one in somebody's arena to get back home and close out series. You know, I just think that Sacramento is for as explosive as they are. If you remember, they had a Clippers game where they won 176 to 175. As good as Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and uh, Keegan Murray and, you know, Harrison Barnes and all these guys are, (coughs) excuse me, Kevin Herter, they are the worst defensive team in the entire playoffs. Let me say that again. They're the worst defensive team in the playoffs. That is bad news when you're going against one of the prolific and one of the best shooting teams in NBA history. You have Jordan Poole, you're going to have Klay Thompson, and you're going to have Steph Curry coming at you every night. And that's going to be tough, I think, for the Kings to overcome. I think that this is going to be a learning experience. I do feel like this is going to be an exciting series, but I do believe that Golden State will use its championship luster to get the wins that they need to advance in the playoffs here. Um, Lastly, just to touch on the seeds that we have that don't have games. So Milwaukee coming into this, they're a team that is very deep. 
You look at the fact that they have Jay Crowder over there. They've got Joe Ingles over there. The question mark for them is Chris Middleton. I've said that. When they made it to the finals and they won the finals, Chris Middleton and Giannis were playing very well. Chris Middleton hasn't played very well due to injury for those last two seasons. He's going to have to find his footing and he's going to have to find it quickly. When Milwaukee is beat, they usually struggle offensively in the half court set. Teams are able to load up and take away a lot of things from them. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do it with the shooting um, firepower that they have from the outside. You know, you still have Drew Holiday out there. Um, again, I just mentioned Joe Ingles. I mentioned Jay Crowder over there. They've got Pat Covington over there. So they've got so many different ways that they can knock down some shots. Grayson Allen, um, Brooke Lopez, Bobby, you know, Bobby Portis is out there. Guys that can knock down shots. So you're not going to just be able to bog down the lanes and take away Giannis. If they can continue to knock down shots, they can continue to play freely. This team is one of the best defensive teams in all of basketball. So they have a legit chance to move and make a deep run. Boston. Boston shoots the ball as effective as Golden State. Their motto is just let it fly. Between Jalen Brown and, um, and Jason Tatum, those duos have combined for, I think, 33-plus games where they've averaged 30 and 27, respectively. One of the highest um, duos to score like that in the NBA. And they have Robert Williams back. I love the fact that they have that. Um, they have Marcus Smart, which is the defensive player of the year there. Um, they have Williams coming off the bench. You can shoot the ball exceptionally well. And this team, I love the fact that they got Malcolm Brogdon over there. I think he's the X factor for this year's team. I think that Boston is poised to really make it back to the NBA Finals. Um, now, a lot of speculation with Jalen Brown. Is he going to leave? Is he not? I don't think that there's any other place that he belongs other than Boston. Yes, there may be people that are going to throw him the bag, but I think the best case scenario is that he does return back to Boston. But that's in the offseason. I think that that's one of their maybe biggest concerns in the offseason. But right now, yes, I know he's cut his hand. I know he's going to be out, but he's expected to be there at the start of the, the postseason. I don't think it's going to affect him. I think he's going to be just fine. I think that you're going to see a Boston team that is ready to play. On the other side, you look at Denver. Denver has Jamal Murray. Okay, with Jamal Murray, you're looking at a team that has now got the Joker and they have Jamal Murray. This is the first time Jamal Murray has been healthy with the Joker since the bubble. This is when Jamal Murray took a, a huge, huge rise in, in as far as his star power. He's looked every bit as good as he has before the knee injury. This team is deep. I love the fact that they have um, Claudwell Pope over there shooting the ball well. You know, they have Bruce Brown over there. He's going to be a, a, a big part in what they're going to do. I love the kid that they have out of Kansas as well. He's played some big minutes. They still have Jeff Green, um, Porter Jr. over there, Michael Porter Jr., um, Aaron Gordon. 
He's found the fountain of youth. This is a very deep team, but they certainly need Jamal Murray to play at an MVP level like he was playing at the bubble. Expect them to make a deep run as well. Could be in the conference finals as long as they play a lot like what they have been playing throughout the year. I think this is a team that's going to be in the conference finals. Memphis, the second seed. I'm not really sold on Memphis. Memphis is in trouble. Steven Adams is out for the year now with the knee injury. They've already lost Brandon Clark with the Achilles injury. Um, They don't have any depth in the front court. And as much as I love Jaron Jackson Jr., loved watching his dad play for the Spurs back in the day, he leads the league as far as foul trouble is concerned. That's a problem. That's a major, major, major problem. And the one thing that really stops Memphis from taking it to the next level is they're not really that great in the half-court game. I've said it a couple times. The game is going to slow down. That's what happened to them last year against Golden State. Golden State executed a lot better in the half-court sets than, than Memphis. And that was the bottom line. Memphis wanted to run. Memphis was able to run against the Timberwolves last year. They were not able to run like that against Golden State. Now, they're they're forced to be in a situation to play without bigs. And these are the type of bigs that are rim runners. So you don't really have that. If Jaron Jackson gets in trouble, that it leaves Xavier Tillman here, who has played very well uh, starting for them. I know that they did bring over Luke Kennard from the Clippers to help maybe give them a little bit of a boost in the half-court situation, shooting the three ball. I can certainly understand that. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on guys like Tyus Jones. He's got to play very well. John Morant added pressure here. And Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks went 11 for, I think, 60 uh, against Golden State last year. Here's a guy that a lot of people question his shot selection. He's a terrific defender and an irritant is a guy that you definitely want to play with. But offensively, with the bigs out, he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to step up. Baines is going to have to step up. And aside from that, I I don't really know what Memphis is going to do. It seems like they're going to have to rely on a lot of their young guys like Rowdy and those guys like that that they've just drafted. And I think that it could be a short postseason for Memphis and it could be disappointing for Memphis, especially since everybody probably has the bulletin board material where John Morant says, hey, we're good in the West. I'm not so sure about that. And so with that being said, guys, that is today's show here. Again, make sure that you check us out on Spotify. That'll be on the show notes below. Make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, you press the like and subscribe button. And guys, we will be back for another show talking about some of the hottest topics in sports. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit here about the round one of the NBA playoffs here baseball season is going on and you do have the NBA or NFL draft excuse me which is set to take place here in the next couple weeks so for myself uh, this is Rico Real Talk Sports and one more thing before we get out of here let me go ahead and thank the sponsors who have put sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have listened to us 
on a week-to-week basis to help us drive content to the show. Now, with that being said, peace, guys. We'll see you on the next show.